Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson, Rob Ensley, and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports Station and at seattlesports.com. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Weldcraft and Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Harbor Marine, Rain Marine Electronics, and Les Schwab Tires. Working hour two of the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Streaming live on MyEarthWest.com. Don't forget about the general TheOutdoorLine.com with blogs, podcasts, and so very, very much more. Uh, Joey Pyburn, uh, we used him a little too hard up here, uh, Joey. He had to, excuse me, uh, Joel, he had to uh, take, take the day off here. So, uh, but And, and Robbo is uh, off on a charter, so I got Joel Martin, FishBaronOff.com, co-hosting with me. So one of the aspects to Memorial Day weekend is it's, kind of the unofficial official start to summer, right? Mm-hmm. And with that means it's probably one of the busiest boating times of the year. I mean, without question, people are getting their boats out, getting them running for the first time. And one of the things that they're going to be faced with is the decision to do maintenance or put it off. Hunter Bland is joining us now, the Yamaha's safe boating ambassador. Again, I've, I've told you to go to the U-team, the, the YouTube video, UF Bass Team Boating Accident, this man has a story to tell. Welcome to the show, Hunter Bland. How are you this morning, my friend? I'm doing wonderful. How are you guys? Thank you so much for having me. No, I appreciate you jumping on with us today, Hunter. And and uh, I'll just let you tell the story. You're, you, uh, you, you were fishing on the University of Florida bass team, and uh, you happened to have a GoPro running on the, on the boat at the time. And what was your experience? So we had just launched for a college bass fishing tournament and, um, we rolled through boat check. Everything's great. You know, they're making sure you're not hiding any fish away in the live well. They're <laughs> making sure your life jacket's on and fully fastened. They're making sure that your engine cutoff device is on hooked to the driver. And then you have to pull it, make sure that it, you know, shuts off the big engine. So everything's great. We were only about two miles down the river after takeoff, you know, I'm, five, 10 minutes into my day, my hydraulic steering comes completely apart at about 50 to 55 miles per hour. My partner, Connor and I are ejected from the boat and, uh, we land in about 50 degree water. Um, but the thing that really stuck out to me is that when I land in the water, all I remember thinking is like, what in the world just happened? I shouldn't be swimming. I'm supposed to be fishing. (laughs) So I, uh, see, the full wrap of my boat coming back over the top of my head. So the momentum of the boat takes it 360 and it comes back over the top of me and I got trapped underneath the boat and I hit my head on the bottom of the boat twice trying to get out. And all I could remember was swim lessons. When you were a little kid, they taught you to kick, kick off the wall and start swimming to the other side. So I, I did that kind of motion where I tried to kick off the wall and, you know, just springboard away from something and that's in the corner of the video where you see me pop up. But I'll note that I was actually wearing a manual inflatable life jacket at the time, and I wasn't as educated on on life jackets as I am today. Um, but that manual life jacket, my partner Connor had to swim over to me and inflate my life jacket. So, you know, if you're ever recreating on the water and doing something other than really 
kayaking or paddleboarding where you might be in the water a lot, that's where a manual inflatable might come into play. But in my situation and any power boating situation, jet skiing, anything like that, like a manual is not the option, um, especially if I was unconscious. So it's, uh, it's truly a blessing to be here. It's truly a blessing to hang out with you guys and, and share my story. And it's truly a blessing that I was raised to wear a life jacket and wear an engine cutoff device. Cause I wouldn't be here without them. Yeah. Hunter, I got to ask you, what was the, what failed to let people know what to look for? So the, the biggest thing that I, that I'll say to look for is, you know, we did all the proper maintenance. My boat was in the, the local dealer two weeks before that getting an oil change done and a walk around done, you know, they're tightening bolts and always making sure. And before I launch every morning, I'm, you know, the night before I'm prepping for, for the trip, just like we all do. Um, but I'm taking a wrench and checking all my steering as normal. But what actually failed was that to our knowledge is we lost a, a nut on our hydraulic steering assembly so the entire assembly comes apart, like the hydraulic wow. you know, cylinder even came out of the arm. So the only thing that was left hanging was the single bolt that holds it to the engine. Uh, we had to even zip tie everything back together just to get the boat towable down the highway. So I would encourage everybody to, you know, prepare for the unexpected is really what I, what I preach and drive home because we can't predict it. That situation is something, you know, mechanical, mechanical things still can fail. Um, we hope and pray nothing ever happens, but in my instance, you know, something completely just out of the ordinary happened. And I've heard a lot of people have come forward to me over social media and things like that, that they've had hydraulic steering failures and things like that. But I'm going to drive home the point of just double check everything the night before the moment you get ready to launch your boat, just triple check everything because you definitely don't want to go through something. I, I like I went through. No Yamaha safe boating ambassador, Hunter Bland joining us this morning. And, and the video he's referring to can be found on YouTube real easy. You just type in UF bass team boating accident and I, I was shook when I, when I saw it, Hunter, and it just, it was immediately apparent to me. I, I have a little background in marine safety, and when it, it, it was so obvious to me that if you would not have been wearing the engine cutoff, you would have, you, and you mentioned you were, you were underneath your boat. Well, you know what's going to happen. You've, you've got that propeller that's coming right over you at that time. I mean, it's, it's likely that, that one or both of you may have not have survived this, this incident. And, and this, is, this is a graphic example of, you know, why Yamaha always preaches that maintenance matters. It really does. And if you want trouble-free boating, you need to be familiar with your boat, and, and you need to keep some spares. What are some of the things that you have in your, your spare kit on your boat, parts for your motor? What, what would you suggest at, at a minimum that folks should carry with them to be a little more trouble-free on the water, Hunter Bland? That's a great question. You know, it's something that I spend countless hours thinking about. Like I mentioned before, you know, prepare for the unexpected. So what's in my safety and preventative kit? in my boat is a lot of things some people would never even think about. And that's what I'm going to encourage all of you guys to do is think about something that's completely out of the ordinary and put it in your boat and maintenance really, really does matter. So I've got everything down from a spare prop 
Now, I can I navigate a lot of different bodies of water where I have great lake master mapping and things like that, but you never know there could be a floater you don't see or anything like that where you bend the prop, but you need to get back to, to shore. So I have a spare prop. I've got everything all the way down to all the hardware for my prop, even a spare cotter pin. So <laughs> I've got all that in, in a back compartment. I even carry like an, um, there's a company called angler aid that I found online that, um, it basically actually Brandon Polinick, another Yamaha angler. A lot of you probably know very, very great guy to help develop it. And it's a box that is not only a first aid kit, but man, it's got ibuprofen. If I got a headache, it's got, you know, electrical tape it's got fuses it's got a multi-tool a thermometer i mean the list goes on and on so i'm double checking that box at all points in time making sure i don't need to replenish anything if i use electrical tape you know that i had to you know a random wire i accidentally cut or something you know you, you never know what you're gonna run into but i've also got all the additional you know throwables i've got flares i've got fire extinguishers and you know, when we go talk about life jackets, you would probably chuckle, but I probably got about 10 in my boat right now. No kidding. Yeah, every different that's... size, every style, because you never know what you're going to anticipate. But I've been to a dock and a media personnel might want to go out. And if, if you only have one life jacket for you, or how do you know you don't need to rescue somebody on the water or something like that? So preparing for preparing for the unexpected really accompanies everything for me. And and that's that's a great point. And and I, I I would bet I could pull ten life jackets out of my boat right now as well. And and, and two throwable devices. And 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 it's what a lot of people don't really grasp, Hunter. In, in in my opinion, is that if you're inviting people out on your boat, there's a there's a responsibility imbued in that. You you have you 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 need to have safety equipment for them. You have to have. Um, first aid equipment for them. I keep a level four trauma kit on my boat, including Israeli bandages and quick clot and a whole bunch of stuff. Right. But, but the, yeah. the main, the, just the, the maintenance aspect of that. And your point is, I think is very, very well taken about a prop and a prop nut because people, especially folks that run stainless props, well, I don't need a spare propeller. If I damage my prop, the, the lower unit's going to be damaged. Well, what if you have a cotter pin failure and what if you spin a prop off? Right. And just having right. those those basic spares are just going to, you know, it, re it really makes a difference. But something else I packed too, Hunter, in my experience, I, I've had to tow boats home that, that either had a failure or, or ran out of fuel or stuff like that. So a decent tow line, you know, and, and thinking about something for another boat is just a just a great point. Hunter, we thank you for your time today. Um, I've got, I, God bless you for, for be joining us today and, and telling your story, because you you took a situation that could have potentially turned you away from boating and, and you turned it into, uh, you know, you're now becoming the national uh, safe boating ambassador for Yamaha. I think you're commended for, you know, turning, turning this lemon situation into lemonades, Hunter. Well, I really, really appreciate that. And, you know, that, that is a huge compliment for me. And I just knew that I wanted to help. And that accident for me um, was a turning point in my life where I realized, you know, I was put on this earth to help somebody in water safety because of that accident. And, and I got to give a hats off to Yamaha. If it wasn't for Yamaha, taking a chance on a 21-year-old kid with a huge passion in water safety, I wouldn't be on this phone with you right now. So I'm forever grateful for everybody that's put time and effort into me 
with a with a vision and a dream just to help people on the water. And, and it's gentlemen like yourself that have continued to give me opportunities, and collectively we're going to make the waterways a safer place. That sounds like a great plan to me. Once again, go look at this YouTube video, UF Bass Team Boating Accident. And if it doesn't send you to the Marine store to grab some extra parts and grab some life jackets and stuff, it's uh, definitely something to think about, especially right now, the front end of boating season. Let's prepare to boat safely. Hunter Bland, thank you very much for your time, and uh, we appreciate it. And your, uh, your, your interview comes to us courtesy of Yamaha Outboards, and uh, I, I'm glad to be involved with the same company you are, and I appreciate your time today, Hunter Bland. Thank you guys so much. You guys have a blessed and safe weekend. Y'all boat safe. All right, you too, Hunter. Thank you thank you so much. Coming up next, a critically, critically acclaimed, award-winning Northwest Outdoor Report right here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. The Northwest Outdoor Report is brought to you by Les Schwab Tires, taking your safety seriously for over 70 years. South Sound Salmon Opener coming soon. Summer Salmon Season kicks off in the South Puget Sound next week with the opening of Marine Area 11, Tacoma Vashon Island. Marine Area 11 is open with a split season this summer. The first opener is June 1st through the 30th with an allowable catch of 580 hatchery Chinook. The second segment of the season kicks off from July 1st through the end of September with a much more robust quota of nearly 2,900 hatchery Chinook. Marine Area 11 runs from the northern tip of Vashon Island to the northern end of the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. The Tulalip Terminal Area Fishery, also known as the Bubble, opened yesterday and runs through September 5th on a Friday through Monday schedule. The Bubble is described as the waters west of Tulalip Bay and within 2,000 feet of shore from the pilings at Old Bowers Resort to a fishing boundary marker about a mile and a half northwest of Hermosa Point. There is a two-fish daily limit with no fin clip restriction and the two-pole endorsement is allowed. Try silver hoard spoons close to the bottom at first light, then head out in the deeper water during the day to target suspended Chinook. The forecast is up from last year, and it should be a solid year for the Tulalip Bubble Fishery. Two North Sound rivers this week open for Chinook. The Skycomish opens for Hatchery Chinook today with a massive snowpack and a Cascades. River guide Tog Daniels from Tall Tales Guide Service thinks there could be enough water in the Skycomish to have great fishing all the way through the month of July. Further north, the Upper Skagit River opens for Chinook on June 1st with that season running through July 15th. The Skagit is open from Rockport to Marble Mount, and anglers have a great opportunity to target Spring Chinook headed to the Cascade River Hatchery on the Upper Skagit River. Nick Kester of All-Star Charters says there's still some lingcod to be caught off Possession Bar near Everett. Nick has been fishing live sand dabs, and he says they are landing a few a day off the bar. The biggest link cod Nick has released so far this season off the bar is a 44-incher. He says there's a big 12-foot ebb tide this weekend that's going to make link fishing nearly impossible. Folks can catch some of the flood tide tomorrow morning for links. And Nick says the soaker flood on Monday morning will fish good until around noon. Link cod season in Puget Sound runs through June 15th. More days to Columbia River Spring Fishery. Further south, anglers are getting more opportunity to harvest hatchery spring Chinook on the Lower Columbia. Fishery managers add 11 more days to the Springer Fishery on the Lower Columbia starting May 24th and running through June 3rd. Springers are returning in much better numbers than anticipated. And fishery managers run, bump the run size forecast from 123 Springers to up over 180,000 Spring Chinook. So far, the Spring Chinook run on the Columbia River is the 11th highest return since 1980. Boaters needed for Salmon for Soldiers. 
The Salmon for Soldiers Veteran Fishing Program is looking for qualified boaters to take veterans fishing for their big fishing event on Puget Sound on September 17th. The event will be held in Everett right in the heart of the Silver Run in Puget Sound. If you've got experience fishing on Puget Sound and want to share it with some of your great veterans, log on to salmonforsoldiers.com and send an email with your information. We hope to see you there. The Northwest Outdoor Report has been brought to you by Les Schwab Tires. Find the best in tires, brakes, wheels, battery, shock struts, and more at lesschwab.com. And thanks to Matt Nelson for uh, for helping out on the Northwest Outdoor Report. Joel, there was something in the previous interview with Hunter Bland, the Yamaha safety ambassador, that uh, kind of really st- struck my. Uh, I have to say, steering safety is probably one of the number one th- things that people need to watch for on their boats. We all grew up using cable steering or double cable steering, and. <laughs> That was an issue. When the cable snapped, you could get ejected from your boat. If you had your kill cord on, you uh, you reduce the risk of getting ran back over by your boat. Uh, we I've been in Sitka, Alaska pretty much my whole life. I've seen multiple boat accidents, and almost every one of them, and I've actually lost some dear friends to it, almost every one of them has been a steering issue. Um We've had guys get picked up out of the water out here just on an afternoon. I'll have somebody sees a boat out there spinning circles. They yep. get there, and there's two guys in the middle of this bubble trying to bobble away from the – kicking their boots off and trying to bobble away from the boat. And so if if you go to the your dealership where you get your boat worked on, if you do anything with your boat, always – always replace the nylock nuts on your steering we all thought going to hydraulic steering that there would not be an issue but there is issues and it it is dangerous i've been in a boat that has had i've been in a in a enclosed cabin aluminum boat when the cable steering snapped and i tell you when three guys get thrown across the side of the boat and bashed into the window at 35 miles an hour it it's it's an eye opener and I, I tell everybody this, steering safety, when you work on a boat, always check your steering. That's one thing, uh, if you're, and there's another aspect to that, if you're running a small boat with a high power engine on it, and the boat torques a lot, there's things that can break. Check everything that the steering hooks to on your motor. I, I know of one instance where that happened. So it's super important, it's very dangerous, Wear your life jacket, wear your kill cord, and check your steering. It's uh, it's it's so important. It's the one of the number one things that will get you. And the I, I again I worked as a marine safety professional for for a number of years, and you see somebody thrown out of a boat, and that engine does not stop, man, and that boat is turning what we call the death circle. Right. Mm-hmm. And the only way to stop that is you get to bring your rescue boat alongside and you got to crash into that boat. And we, we would use we first we'd look at the boat and see where the throttle was. If it was an outboard, that was really, really just a tiller handle outboard. That was very, very difficult. But if it was a if it was a situation where there was a forward helm and a control, you could take a pike pole or something, and hit the throttle and knock it back. But with an outboard, there's nothing you can grab because it's a twist grip. And so we just have to get a line on it. And and just subdue the boat literally like 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 lassoing a, a, a steer right mm-hmm. and it's it, it's or, like a pit yeah the police officers using pit the maneuver pit bingo maneuver, boom. yeah because that there's one there's only thing predictable about a steering failure is that boat is going to turn into a death circle and and if you get ejected 
it's coming for you. So, yeah, great point, Joel. No question about it. We're going to pop out of here for a quick break. We're uh, on Memorial Day weekend, the traditional, non-traditional start to summer here. And uh, it's also the the traditional start to our summer salmon seasons. Mark Uwasa, WDFW's communication consultant, going to join us next, running down your summertime salmon schedule right here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports App. Get in, sit down, hold on, and listen up. You're in the RenaissanceMarineGroup.com's wheelhouse, brought to you by Weldcraft, Duckworth, and Northwest Boats. Welcome to the wheelhouse here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports App, coming at you live and on location from Sitka, Alaska, one last time, here with uh, Joel Martin of FishBaronoff.com and the scenic Totem Square Hotel. Reaching back into Puget Sound for a gentleman that I haven't had had in my wheelhouse a couple times, and he's always a fun guy to have on the boat because he's full of information. Mark Uasa, the communications coordinator, excuse me, communications consultant for the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. Good morning, Mark Uasa. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. Good morning to yourself, too. Weather's well, beautiful out here right now. I'm a little jealous. I'm, <laughs> I'm <sitting> <laughs> it So... It's it's been flat here, man. It's and we're uh, as soon as we get done with the show, we are cutting the lines and we're heading north. And uh, but we, I am looking forward to after this trip, getting back home and getting on, getting on those fish in Puget Sound. And and it really it uh, it, it pretty much started yesterday with the Tulalip bubble. I, I heard some pretty pretty solid stuff from that little uh, I'll call it a boutique Chinook fishery. What did you hear about? Uh, what did you hear about what went on up north yesterday? Yeah, I heard there were a few fish that came out of there early in the morning on that morning bite. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, it, like you had said earlier on the reports, these are a lot of the kickoffs to a lot of the opportunities we've got around here um, for salmon fishing this summer. And, you know, I think the big one coming up is on June 1 down in South Central Sound, too, for Area 11. You know, on that Wednesday opener down there, Um I think that's that's going to be exciting for a lot of folks because it's a, it's opening up two weeks earlier than it did last year, you know. And prior to that, we hadn't been fishing down there in June at all since 2018. And uh, boy, I, I've been down there many a times in that early June period, and and I know there's fish down there, and I know some of my local buddies aren't going to be happy with what I'm about to say, but. Um, you know, south of the Narrows is open right now, and and there's some summer fish down there already that they've been quietly catching. So, you know, I'm not going to give away their spots, but you know, just put that on your radar that there are fish around already, and these are mature summer kings that they're seeing, and some hatchery fish at that. So, um, and I'm going to be down there Eric, on Wednesday. Yeah, boy, and and I know you. You you are a practitioner of the art of mooching. And if, if there is a mooching stronghold remaining in Puget Sound, it is Marine Areas 11 and 13. So I, I don't need to ask you what you're doing, but I would ask you for a couple pointers maybe for guys if they're looking at the tide charts and if they're looking at, you know, they're, they're, they're doing some chart study and they're looking at some particular areas. What are some of the areas you'd focus on? What are some of the depths? What do you want to see on your fish finder? And what kind of tides you want to target? Give us a little Area 11 mooching synopsis, Mark Uasa. <laughs> well, you're going you're gonna to be surprised at this, but, um, you know, it, it is dogfish season down there. So oh, gotcha. one okay. of the things where I, I may 
I'm going to bring the mooching leaders and, and herring, but um, I'm also going to have my jigs on board. That's for sure. Um, you know, and I think that's one of the key elements is being able to switch over gears really quick and, and, and adapting to what, to what, you know, these fish are going to be biting on as well as, you know, the dogfish. You don't, you don't want to be burning through all your leaders on those things and wasting <laughs> valuable time during a, a, a time period, you know, when, when fishing is good. So, you know, and I was looking at um, the tides for that opener and, you know, it's an early morning high. It's, it's a soft exchange in that first period. I think you've got like a little before six o'clock tide change in the morning. But you've got a big, huge minus runoff up until about 12.49 p.m. And, you know, I think the, the hour or two hours right before that low tide change in the in the early afternoon is going to be, you know, time to be out there kind of time. And uh, right off the clay banks, I think, is going to be your spot. You know, in the morning, if you're going to plan to fish that soft tide, I'd, I'd run to, like, Point Dalco over there on the southwest uh, s- southwest side of Bastion Island or even the flats out in front of Gig Harbor. And those are some, some good areas on that flood change that, that can be money for people. So, you know, if, if, if there's any place to be, and, you know, usually you, you kind of, you know, you adapt to where the bait is, you know, and, and, and if it's usually it's right on bottom, just send your jig or your herring right down to the bottom there and a few cranks off the bottom and, and start working your bait. I think those are some so, of the key elements there for that 11 fishery. So the next on tap is going to be one marine area north of Central Puget Sound, marine area 10. That resident coho kicks off June 16th, and uh, that's a fun little fishery. It always surprises me. This is such a popular fishery, Mark Uasa. Give us some tips and pointers for those resident coho in, in Central Puget Sound. Yeah, you know, it it. it it takes a few days for that thing to build. Um, that's an, a, a good fishery to get out there. You know, the coho aren't big. They're two to four pounds. But, boy, when you cut into some of those fish because they're feeding on all that krill that's around that area, um, boy, you get some nice quality meat out of those fish. And a lot of the guys fish those deep water shipping lanes out there between Jeff Head and, and Kingston are, are, are the most popular places. And, um, yeah, that, you know, that draws hundreds of boats out there every year for, the, for that fishery on a daily basis. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's a nice, nice place to be at that time of the year. It's an easy fishery. You know, you could, you don't need to fish very deep. Most of those fish are in that mid depth range of probably, you know, 50 to 80 feet, if not higher first thing in the morning. So, yeah, I, boy, there's just, you know, there's so much to do now for anglers in, in Puget Sound. And I, I almost call it this new age fishery. And, and Tom, you know, this is being able to adapt and, and, and not just stick to one area during one particular time of the year. And my whole key to everything in the summertime is, you know, when, when things open, like when these fisheries open, go before the quotas run out and be there, you know, especially in like this June fishery. I think that's a unique thing for area 11 is it's, broken up into two segments so you're guaranteed time on the water most of the summer down there yeah and that's huge i mean you know and and all we're all we really need is opportunity right 
you know, I, I mean, guys and guys will travel to it. And I mean, you know, I, I stand before you as, as somebody with a 30 footer that, that, you know, it's <laughs> on a trailer, right? I mean, I'll spin that thing anywhere to, to, to get on the water. But, uh, one of the places I'm definitely going to target is going to be a little bit later in June when uh, we get, uh, our LaPush fishery and, and Ilwaco. I think they both open up on June 25th. That's going to kind of be the coastal kickoff, Mark. Yeah, so actually, so Nia Bay opens on June 18th, and um, as well as Push, and boy, you know, from you know these with with a coho run of 1.2 million, and you know about a half a million kings coming down through the ocean, you know, and I I got a feeling it's going to be money on for those when they open, and then right after that you've got Ilwaco, I think, opening on June 25th. And then that's followed by Westport on, I believe, like June 2nd. So, you know, these fisheries are going to be open, you know, daily this year. And, um, boy, yeah, I, like you said, get the, get the big boat out there and, and be on the yeah. water for those openers too. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it's, I'm glad they're open seven days a week. And like you said, Westport, it has a, a delayed opener till July 2nd. And, and that is, because of uh, Thule interception concerns, mm-hmm. right? The stock mm-hmm. of lower river um, spawners on the Columbia River. And that concern is going to manifest itself in um, in a different fishing regime we're going to see inside in, in Buoy 10 in August. I, I believe we're going to be selective in Buoy 10 until the 21st of August. Is that correct, Mark? Yeah, so it's um, so that buoy ten fishery. So you've got up until it's August first that it opens, and I believe, if I want to be correct here, it's August twenty fourth it runs through. Okay. So yeah, it is a much later um, uh, for hatchery, you know, Chinook kind of driven fishery than it had been in the past. But I mean, here again too, you know that. You know, you'll see a lot of hatchery fish in there at that time, and you know, especially that third week of August too. So, you know, it, it, there's some exciting times, and and what people kind of forget and they give up on is that that late August, early September coho fishery down there, when you've got all these, you know, a million plus, you know, coho coming down, and and a lot of them are going to be plugging up right there at the mouth. That's going to be a, a good fishery. I know, like Austin Moser, he's he's always down there, and he's just. He's nailing those coho down there at a time when most people are giving up. And so, you know, <laughs> yes. it's, it's one thing not to overlook is that fishery, too. That's you for sure. And Austin one. does hammer that. It's, fu- it, it's funny because I'm looking at Austin standing in the fish barren off office right now. He's about ready to get off the dock. But uh, I, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Mark. It just cracked me up that you mentioned Austin. And here he is, you know, mugging at me in the in the, in the the office. So. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and, and see, here's another thing, too, is, you know, I know he'll, when he's done up there, he's going to be right back here. And I know that yep. early July 1, 1 fishery up there on the upper Columbia for uh, summer kings and sockeye. That's that's another one, you know, that I'm going to definitely be up there a few times this year. And, you know, that's always a great fishery up there by the BB Bridge leading up to Lake Chelan. And, and man, what a beautiful place to be able to catch, you know, a nice king and, and maybe fill up on some reds, too. So, you know, that's no question, that's no question. Too. Yep. So also on July 1st, we're going to, we're going to see our, our, our straits openers. So we're going to get uh, Marine Area 5, Marine Area 6 opening up on July 1st this year. 
Yes, yes. And, you know, the, the, the co or the Chinook quota, sorry, is, is, it's about, um, 3,800 plus, you know, and, and, um, I think the, uh, that's just down slightly from last year. But, you know, in here again, like we were talking about, you know, go, go when it opens. And I, I've always found that that fishery and, and as well as, the uh, the fishery uh, west of Area Six in the Eastern Strait, when that opens on July one two, can be some fun fishing. You know that that whole Pillar Point, you know slide area, you know Freshwater Bay, you know all those areas within there are there. There'll be some early kings sitting in there, and that's a good place to be. Yeah, no question about it. Now. My favorite fisheries are, are Area 7, Area 9, Area 10. Um, we're going to get a little different season structure in, in, in northern Puget Sound this year. This opens up. It, it, typically, the, the traditional opener has been July 16th. That's going to move to July 14th this year, Mark. And the seasons in 7 and 9 are going to be a series of three-day openers. So why don't you walk us through what we're going to see when marine areas 7 and 9 open up in July on July 14th, Mark Uasa. Yeah, so um, both those areas are, are kind of unique this year. And area 7 opens up July 14th to the 16th as well as uh, Area 9. And then um, what they're going to do with 7 is they're going to kind of look at it once they shut it down on the 16th to see if they could add some additional days on. And um, I think what they're really trying to do is, is save time for later on when it reopens on August 16th for that hatchery co-fishery. And then um, Area 9 is kind of different. Um, it'll run that following July 21st to the 23rd. And then, and then it'll be open daily from July 28th to August 15th. Um, you know, and, and the quota there is, is, is similar to last year. So if anyone kind of wants to look back at last year and, and, and know what we had, I believe that quota is 4,700 hatcheries. So, you know, you can kind of get an idea from what we saw last year is what we may see this year. Although, you know, every year is different. You and I know that. And uh, we should have a healthy run of kings coming back this year, especially the, the, the hatchery numbers. They're up. You know, the wild chinook numbers are up slightly, but still down historically. But, um, you know, with, with like you were just talking about early on, we've got some better ocean conditions. We're going to see some, uh, you know, more, I, I believe, uh, better fishing this year, too. So I'm excited about those those two areas. I think so, too. I mean, and, and the one thing about... Marine areas seven and nine in particular. I mean, we're getting those fish at a time and at a place where they're quite aggressive and very, very eager biters. And that's kind of what it's all about. But we'll, we'll still have some opportunity into August in Marine Area 10 as well. We've got a pretty healthy, pretty healthy co uh, a quota in there. Uh, we also get a little uh, inner Elliott Bay action this year, August 6th through the 9th. We could get some extra opportunity there. Um, I'm pretty fired up though we're, we're one of the things that's really driving a lot of opportunity on the coast and and uh is is the the coho forecast and the coho forecast yeah. is up not only in the columbia mark but it's op it's up in the in the puget sound as well and i think we're going to see a, a very special late august and september in in puget sound what what are you what's your crystal ball say about that 
Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. I mean, the the hatchery run this year of, of coho. I mean, we're still coming off some issues, you know, for wild coho from the, the drought period we had in 2015 and 2017. But, um, you know, that combined hatchery and wild forecast for Puget Sound is like 630,000 plus, you know, coho coming back this year. And, man, you know, I, I yeah, like you were just saying, Area 10 is going to be money here, you know, on, on around Labor Day weekend right in through September. And also remember, too, is that Area 9 is hatchery only for coho. But, um, you know, another and, and, and coupled with this is the opportunity of opening up a spot that was closed last year is that north and central side of Woodby Island, the east side of Woodby Island, Marine Area 1, that opens up August 1. And so, you know, that was something that we didn't have on the table last last year in the fall. So, you know, yeah, like you said, you know, there, <laughs> with, with that many coho coming back, um, we should see some pretty good fishing here for, for silvers. All right. Well, when um, when when we get them located, your phone's going to ring, and uh, we're going to we're going to have to have the uh, once again we we'll have the mooch only day on the Sea Beast, and uh, you're you're going to have to jump on board and and bring your special little uh, cut plug herring knowledge and uh, drill Joey and I on a little on a little vertical salmon action. What do you think about that? Oh, uh, that was fun last year out there in nine uh, when we when when we took the downriggers off and we were mooching. That's for sure. <laughs> Doesn't happen very often, but I can be talked out of the downriggers if there's a bunch of Chinook or Coho around for sure. Mark Uwasa, a longtime voice for the outdoor industry and now WDFW's communication consultant. I thank you very much for your time this morning and keep in touch, my friend. Great. Yeah, thank you. And hey, real quick, just a shameless little plug is, you know, folks, be sure to, you know, observe your killer whale you know, awareness out there on the water. And if you get a chance to be sure to submit your voluntary salmon trip reports, those are important for, for our agency to be able to monitor these fisheries. Hey, thanks guys. And, and you can get out there on the water. So you mentioned VTRs or voluntary trip reports. How can people get a hold of them? Where do they find those on the WDFW website, Mark? Yeah. So you just, Get on there and go to wdfw.wa.gov slash licenses slash fishing. Um, I know it's a long one, slash trip, trip hyphen reporting. You know, and if you just search on there, too, you'll be able to find them. You know, just search for salmon trip report form, and, and you'll be able to find them. But that provides information. You know, it's really important for our data to, to be able to, to get this, you know, things figured out here for seasons. And we want to have some consistent seasons here moving forward. So, Absolutely. And and I want to point out also that we just went through basically chapter and verse of the blog you recently posted on the Outdoor Line. So folks want to go uh, jump on the Outdoor Line, hit the blog tab. You're going to find all these seasons and ju- basically just what we went down in blog form with uh, some really some great pictures, too, you put on there, Mark. I appreciate that. <laughs> so go check that out on, on theoutdoorline.com. And, and Mark Uwasa, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Great. Good luck, you guys, out there on the water today. See ya. All right, man. We, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Coming up next, the hottest report we heard all week and the techniques you need to succeed. It's Roar Robinson RVs. Really? Where? And it's next here in the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. No way. you got to be kidding me. Really? Where? It's coming back. The island is in delay. Where'd you get him, man? No way. you, you got to tell me. I, I, I'm not going to tell anybody. Ocean journey. Hey man, can you tell me where you got them? I'll never put on a life jacket again. Welcome to RoyRobinsonRV.com's Really? 
Where? Where? RoyRobinsonRV.com will take you anywhere. Really? It's time for you to step up to the number one Winnebago dealer in the Northwest. Roy Robinson RV, the all-new Roy Robinson RV Center. You're going to find a complete line of Class A's, Class B's, Super C's, travel trailers, fifth wheelers, toy haulers, pop-ups, campers, and so very, very much more. Go check that out and more. RoyRobinsonRV.com. Well, it's our last live show from Sitka for the season. It's It's been an interesting one for sure. Uh, and and uh, I tell you what, we always get a kind of an indication of what's coming down the coast. And I'm excited about the fact that we have seen the biggest fish that we've caught to this point have been hatchery Chinook. The, 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 the hatchery fish have been bigger than the wild ones this year, which is kind of completely beyond our, my experience. But uh, pretty, pretty cool, pretty cool nonetheless. And uh, we will definitely be uh, back next week with a very, very special best of uh, the outdoor line and then back in studio for the rest of the summer before uh, before Matthew and I get to go uh, bomb off to the Queen Charlotte Islands and uh, Peregrine Lodge. And I'm excited about that trip. We get to see so many of the listeners that uh, support us and, and listen to what we do, and we get to go fishing with them. I just can't wait for that. Uh, you missed any of the show, jump on MyNorthwest.com, download that Apple iTunes app. Give us a follow on social media at Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at The Outdoor Line. For Matt Nelson back in our Seattle studios, for Rob Ensley out on his charter season, for Joey Pyburn who couldn't make it today, this is Tom Nelson. This is The Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app.